Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for Cherokee Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Well, welcome to Cherokee Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you this morning. And today's episode is brought to you in part by Alma Coffee. Sustainably grown, veteran-owned, and direct trade, which of course means from seed to cup, there are no middlemen. Please go check them out at myalmacoffee.com and go visit their roastery cafe at 3448 Holly Springs Parkway in Canton. Ask for Harry or the brains of the outfit, Leticia, and please tell them that Stone sent you. Oh, you guys are in for such a treat this morning. A little bit later in the program, we're going to get a chance to visit with Cedric Allen. But first up on the Cherokee Business Radio show this morning, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Georgia Center for Employee Ownership, Launch Manager, Miss Marie Davis. Good morning. Hi, Stone. Thanks for having us here today. Oh, I'm delighted to have you join us. So tell us a little bit about, oh, and we don't have to say all of that. We've got a, uh, an acronym or whatever you, G-A-C-E-O. Tell us, mission, purpose, what are you out there trying to do for folks? Well, that stands for the Georgia Center for Employee Ownership. And what we do is provide education and spark interest for this long ago um, idea that Congress passed in 1974 that employees can actually own their own business and it's a really exciting and sort of hidden gem and i've brought some wonderful people here um rhett and sheila to help me they're the technical people i'm the excitement person so we're here to talk about that today (laughs) fantastic well i knew when they walked in i thought now these two they got it going on (laughs) (laughs) don't say they look smarter than me (laughs) oh no i I got i got more social skills than that so employee ownership uh, what are the 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 virtues of employee ownership why, what are the, the, the positive aspects of if you have an employee-owned company, why is that good? Ooh, well, there's a long list, but I will tell you that um, most employee owners see a higher rate of employee retention, which is very important. Uh-huh. They see loyalty to the company. They see um, increased uh, wages. They're just happier people. Why? Um, you know, because they have a stake in the company. And if you've ever walked in a Publix, that's what everybody knows. If you've ever walked in a Publix or you've ever eaten a Cliff Bar, you've been in an employee business. I did not know that. I didn't mm-hmm. know Publix yeah. was employed. 100%. And that's another thing that they're going to tell you about is that it's some, some companies are not 100% employee owned. The owner can sell part of their company and still retain ownership <laughs> until they get ready to retire. Fun. Yeah, so that's one of the major benefits. Another one is uh, a legacy. And, you know, there are so many small businesses. Uh, there are actually 78,326 businesses in Georgia that are owned by people 55 and over. Well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're in danger of losing those if people don't have a succession plan, which most people do not. And so employee ownership is one of the great tools to plan for that. And they're going to talk about it, not me, because they've got the they actually do the work and have been in an employee owned company. But it's a very exciting concept. And um, that's what attracted me to say, hey, I'd like to be your cheerleader for this this uh, launch. 
so here I am. So tell us more about the backstory. How in the world does one find themselves in the role of launch manager for an, <laughs> for an outfit like this? I, I mean, this is not something you go to school for specifically. Absolutely it? not. I have a financial background, but also have a social work degree. But I saw it um, advertised on LinkedIn and I called them and then I just happened to tell the story of my family. And my family, my father, my parents moved here in 1955. They both had master's degrees and started a business on Beaufort Highway. And 40 years later, my father got critically ill. And his three daughters did not want to work in the uh, landscape business. He was a horticulturist in landscape business. And so he just let it go. Now, if he uh, had yeah. known about employee ownership at one time, he had 40 employees. Those people could have had a piece of that pie. And this was a long time before there was landscape companies or, uh, you know, Lowe's and Home Depot that have, you know, people. There weren't there weren't those sort of uh, options back then. And so I think about what it would have meant to my father to see that legacy. And that's really important in rural communities when there's a family owned business um, that goes away, and so do the jobs. Or if they just sell it, the people that buy it are going to bring in their own team of management. And there goes those jobs. There goes the name. There goes the business. So I I got the job because <laughs> they were like, you understand, <laughs> you get it. it. You get it. Right. So, yeah, but that leads to there is a real impact on the community, and apparently it's a very positive one. Or this this whole idea of employee ownership, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, for those of you who may trip over this six years from now, uh, we're broadcasting live from a, a little studio in, in uh, Woodstock, Georgia. And it's a great, thriving community. We have mm-hmm. a lot of small uh, businesses here. And I can think of the impact on this community if, you know, God forbid, the daily draft goes away. Yes. or roots, Any of my bars, Rhett. There you go. If it, you know, I, I would like to think that the, that the team, you know, could somehow have a piece of it and keep it going uh, if, the, if the dailies, and that's their name, mm-hmm. were to say, you know, we're out. You know, we're going fishing or whatever. Yeah. And think about the breweries. They don't want those people that know their secrets going somewhere else. You know, that's, a tr- right. you know, just an example. But um, to tell you that owners, you asked me about benefits. Yeah. Owners can sell all or part of the business. The employees pay nothing, nothing zero. Okay, yeah, you got to extrapolate on whatever. <laughs> well, I'm going to say let, more. I'm about, let the, all right, the, we'll, the, we'll get the subject matter experts in here in a minute. But there are no taxes <laughs> on the portion owned by employees, and the tax savings can help pay off that loan. Wow. All right, so it's information like that that most of us don't have a clue about. So is that a big part of of your job or your team's job is just to to educate and get out there Mm -hmm. and let business owners know this is an an option to let community leaders know this is something that they should – endorse or be having conversations with some people about is that a big part of it it is and and the more people we get in front of we've been to the small business development center in athens we're hoping to do a a conference with them we've been to the georgia chamber executive um, conference and spoke to them because they you know they know businesses in their community all over georgia we've been to the georgia um, economic development association but we need to get really in front of more people and remind them of this excellent possibility so any time you need a speaker oh i think the jc's would just be fabulous for this because you know they think they're too young to think about retiring but (laughs) well you know there are plenty of young employees that that go the employee ownership or the co-op route yeah and so anybody really 
could say, oh, well, it's not me, but my dad's family needs to hear this story. So is that a good vehicle for you to, to kind of do the rotary uh, JC kind of circuit and go and have like a brief presentation and share with them what you're doing and what the benefits are? That's Absolutely. We've got lots of PowerPoints and lots of wonderful people that actually have been through the process and can speak to what it's like and some of the benefits. I um, One of our board members is um, works for Essential Ingredients in Lawrenceville, mm-hmm. and I got the opportunity to tour that facility, and it was fascinating. And the CFO came over, and he said, um, my father worked for United Airlines, and they were employee-owned, and he tried to talk me out of this. And I said, well, <laughs> how does he feel now? And he said, oh, he's our greatest cheerleader because he's seen what this company has just blown up. And how happy the employees are now to be a part of an uh, employee-owned company. Fun. All right. Let's don't make them wait any longer. Let's <laughs> let's bring it. Let's bring in the subject matter experts. Who have you brought with you? I brought Miss Sheila um, Eads and Mister Rhett Ferris. All right. Well, Sheila, let's start with you. Tell us about your organization and your and your connection with all this. Well, I um, am the president and CEO of ERB Industries, and we've been a, well, we just recently sold the company, but before that, we were an ESOP company starting in 1997. So I was the CFO um, at that time, and so I really helped the owners um, transition over to an ESOP and um, have just gone through the whole gamut from the time of inception to the time of the sale. Okay, so ESOP. Another acronym. Let's get me particularly, but also our listeners. Is is this what you are when you've done what she's advocating? Yes. Once you uh, transition over to employee um, stock ownership plan, you become a different entity. Not necessarily we still are ERB Industries, but the ownership is under the guise of an ESOP, which is which is. you know, sanctioned under the DOL. So there's certain regulations. <laughs> a lot of acronyms. Sorry. Department of Labor. I got that. Yeah, okay. Yes. And so, um, you know, there's a whole thing that's set out that you need to work through with your attorneys and everything. But we we, we um, are a good example of a success of an ESOP. Yeah. So Tell what, them where you're located. I'm yeah, sorry. No, oh, yeah. Ahead. And we're just located straight up the street, like a mile away from here in Woodstock. Oh, yeah. baby. So that's fantastic. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. That is cool. So what was the catalyst? We, we, we didn't have Marie back then. So <laughs> what was the catalyst? What prompted you guys to do this? Well, the founder of the company, the company was started in 1956, and the um, founder was looking for an exit strategy. Uh-huh. And so and some of these are... Um, you know, just things that he, he was thinking through is like his, he was first, he tried to get a CEO that could run the company that didn't necessarily work out, you know, cause he wanted to take a step back and that didn't work out at that time. And then he started talking to estate planners and, you know, what, how to transition the business. There wasn't um, a family link that was going to be able to take it over. And so he started talking about um, with some of the attorneys in Atlanta about an ESOP and The beauty of an ESOP is if you do a certain kind of uh, transaction that's um, sanctioned by the IRS, it's called a 1042 transaction, the founder of the business, when they sell it, they do not have capital gain tax. Yay. No, that's huge, right? That's a big deal, right, Rhett? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, so Rhett, 
your organization and the catalyst for what got you, or where are you in this situation? Okay, so, so I'm vice president at Kinseo Advisors. Um, we're located in northwest Atlanta, um, but we have clients all over the country. Um, we're a financial advisory services firm, and we primarily provide uh, valuation services for closely held ah, businesses. Okay. Um, in, in the realm of ESOPs, um, they are, most of them are not publicly traded. So it requires someone like us to come in and do evaluation. Um, in terms of the uh, an ESOP transaction, you would do an initial evaluation to to advise the ESOP trustee um, on what to pay for the company, um, the terms of the transaction, and so forth. Um, so yeah, so we're uh, we're basically advisors to companies um, like Sheila's. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're a strategic resource to facilitate this whole process and help and, yeah. and help everybody navigate. The um, what I suspect is some pretty uh, interesting, challenging terrain that you gotta you gotta know what you're doing. Yes, yes. Um, so the, the an ESOP transaction, and, and I may be uh, jumping ahead a little bit here, but um, there there's a it, it's really a an arms length transaction. Okay. Um, so you have the trustee of the ESOP, um, which um, usually hires someone like us to come in and do an do evaluation of the company, the subject company. Um, and advise them on what to pay and, and the terms. And then on the other side, the sellers or the business owners um, have their own advisors, and they're doing the same thing that we're doing. So uh, with with um, their advisors in hand, they are able to negotiate um, the transaction and, and sell the shares of the company um, to the ESOP. Um, and then from there, the ESOP, uh, the shares held within the ESOP are generally allocated to the employees over time. And that really, um, it really gives them uh, the financial reward that, that everyone's talking about here in terms of uh, loyalty to the, to the company and, uh, uh, and that sort of thing. So um, it's really just a great vehicle to, to provide additional um, motivation and reward to the to employees that have helped these companies um, become what they are today. All right, so let's walk this through. Uh, guys, if you ever want free consulting advice, get yourself a radio show, because that's how I use it. <laughs> <laughs> so I own 40% of a company called Business Radio X, right? Yes. And, and I was telling you before we went on air, my day job is not really doing this. We're growing the company, and I'm finding people to do what we're doing here in other markets across the country and, and maybe one day internationally. Me and another guy own it. He owns 60%. I own 40%. Um, we would love for all of those people who are running these studios at some point to own this, right? Yes. So uh, I got a, I got a hundred questions, but let me start with a few. Um, how early should we be reaching out to a Marie or a Rhett or saying, "Hey, can we talk to somebody that's done it?" And you know, and 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 take Sheila to lunch. When should we start having conversations ab- about this? kind of thing you think and i'm really asking all three of you but i'll start with rhett yeah so uh the companies that we deal with we've dealt with fairly new companies um that are that are esop companies um you know that have been around for just a handful of years um and then we've dealt with companies that have been around for 100 years plus so um it's really uh it's really a wide array of of uh you know the the age of the companies that we deal with so we don't have to be at the point of exit it's, no no not necessarily well you said publics they're not getting nobody's getting right any, okay that's right. right and and in terms of uh you know 
the non 100% um, employee owned companies, uh, you can sell 30% of the business to an ESOP and still retain, you know, the 70%. Uh, So you don't have to actually sell the entire company and give up complete control of the company um, right away. You can kind of test the water, so to speak. And we have that happen quite a bit with the companies we deal with. So did you guys consider that, uh, Sheila? Yeah, that's exactly what we did. Oh, okay. We, we right. kind of tiptoed into it as a 30% owned company. And once we worked on that for about four or five years, then we moved over into 100% ESOP. And I want to say the beauty of that 100% ESOP is at that point, not not only do the employees have a tax advantage, but the company no longer pays federal or state income taxes. Man, you're just dripping honey in my yeah, ear. Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. So that's really important because when you start paying employees as they terminate, so this is another thing that happens when an employee has been in the ESOP for a while and they've vested some of their shares and they mm-hmm. have you know decided to move on, you do need to pay them. You know, so you're you're having ah. to come up with cash flow, and that savings from not paying taxes is essential. Okay, so I'm an employee of the company, and I'm I'm slowly or or on some rhythm, I'm getting a little ownership of this company I'm working for, mm-hmm. and then I want to go somewhere else. Then I've got a little bit of money here and the company will pay that out. That's part of the deal. That's right. And that's exactly why we use a company like Retz because Ah. they have to value the company every year so that employee, when they leave, they know what their new value is. I see. Yeah. And I'll add to that, that the the shares held with the ESOP, within the ESOP, um, they uh, have a put right attached to those shares. So basically what that means is the um, the employee that either retires or otherwise leaves the, the, the company has a right to sell that share back to the company, and the company has the obligation to buy that share back. So it creates a market for those yeah. shares yeah. that otherwise would not exist because it's not a publicly traded company. So I got to ask you, Red, what, what do you enjoy the most, man? What's the, what's the most rewarding part of this work? Because I can tell, I can see, I can see yeah. in your eyes. I know our listeners can hear in your voice. This is something. This is not you drudging off to work. You really enjoy this. Don't you? <laughs> I really do. Uh, I've I've been doing it for quite a while, so um, I've I've seen pretty much everything there is to see uh, in in terms of ESOP world. Um, <laughs> but you know, I really enjoy seeing the the motivation um, that that ESOPs instill in the employees, um, no matter what the position at the company. You know, mm-hmm. you can be from the the senior le- leadership all the way down to a brand new employee of the company, um, and and once the employees buy into um, to the the notion that they're they're an owner, it really motivates them and it really drives them to do what's best for that business. They start turning the lights off, don't they? They do. They do. <laughs> I'll bet. Just yeah. All right. So the 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 money to 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 buy in. Is that coming out of my paycheck and just scraping it off the top so I don't see it? Talk nope. a little bit about nuts. Okay, Sheila, how's this, how's this piece? I mean, the I employee can... doesn't pay anything. Right. They get allocated shares every year. They don't have to pay anything for them at all. Wow. Okay. That's pretty good. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, got, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I, I don't know. I guess I'll just so like let my, me So yeah. let me explain it this way. Once you become 100% ESOP owned, you can look at that company like you can look, go look at our building and you can say, 
That is a retirement plan. It's like a 401k. We yeah. have a complete retirement plan. And so everything that we do in the business is for that retirement plan. It does shift your, when you're running a company, it shifts your thought process. You know, there is growing the company and investing in the company, mm-hmm. but you're also, and I say it like this, you're still also the fiduciary over your employees retirement plan. So not only do you have to worry about paying their paycheck every other week, you you have to worry about, you know, being the fiduciary over this long-term goal of retirement. What a recruiting tool this must be. Right? If you have any I mean you're if you're interviewing you're trying to go after someone that's yeah. Is that true? We tell that to everybody, but not everybody understands it because it depends on the sophistication of the person that you're trying to hire or the employees eventually grasp that, oh, I actually am an owner and I actually do make a difference to the day today work. A lot of that happens after they start seeing their investment in the ESOP grow. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always click on with everybody right away. Your leadership, however, has to get it. They have to get it because they're the ones that are working um, to continue the effort to build the business. All right. So what implications, if any, does this have for becoming intentionally and on purpose because you want to attractive for a larger outfit to come by you? Or are you pretty much giving that up if you're going to do this? Or is there actually a path for that? Um, No, I I can answer that. So uh, it's. It's sort of unusual for an ESOP to be purchased like uh, like ERB was. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, oh, hey, time out. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's like when I'm doing an interview and people just like squeeze in there. And yeah, and that's when mom was dating Elvis. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, put your paper away. We're going to talk about that for a little while. Okay, so yeah. e- ERB did that. We did yes. it. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yes. Talk to that, please. Both of you. Go ahead, Red. You yeah, yeah. Me. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Sheila, do no, you No, you go. No, you go. Okay, yeah. So we it's it's sort of unusual okay. for for an ESOP company to then sell um, to to a third party. All right. Um, and the reason that is is because uh, when you become an ESOP and and you have that motivation behind those employees, um, the the company generally starts performing much better than a non ESOP um, company. All right. And so it really sort of um, turns off potential buyers in terms of purchase price because they don't want to pay what the company's really worth, especially a company that's growing so much. Gotcha. Um, but uh, on the other hand, you do have uh, strategic reasons why, why a buyer may come in and want to buy an ESOP company. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. And in that case, they generally want to pay a lot more than what we call fair market value for the company. Right. And that really creates a big windfall for the employees um, yeah. that own the business through the ESOP. And, and Sheila, do you want to talk a little bit about your experience with that? Um, yeah, I can just say that we made a decision um, to sell the company because we knew that the multiples were really good. So we hired an investment banker and decided to start seeing what kind of offers we would get. A lot of the employees had been, we, we were in ESOP since 1997. So a lot of those employees had been around for a long time. And if the multiples were going to be high on the sale of the business, then yes, it would have been what we needed to do to maximize the, mm-hmm. the value of the uh, shares to the employees that were working there. And so that's exactly what happened. The multiples were very good and um, it just made sense to go ahead and sell the business. And is the I, the people who have ownership, which now includes everybody, mm-hmm. how do they have to kind of vote on it, decide on it? How does all that they, do they or so, how does that work? 
Yeah, so if it's 100% ESOP owned, then the trustee of the ESOP plan um, actually is the one that makes that decision, that ultimately uh, makes the decision. Um, And in in the ESOP world, um, a ESOP cannot sell below fair market value, Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's a Department of Labor standard. Um, and, and on the flip side, the ESOP cannot pay more than fair market value. So gotcha. um, that's really the, the trustee's role. The trustee mm-hmm. decides, hey, is this offer um, above fair market value? Is it to the to the benefit of the employees that are participants in the ESOP plan? Or is it more beneficial to just remain an ESOP? And in ERB's case, uh, the trustee um, deemed it appropriate to, to actually sell because mm-hmm. it was more appropriate um, and more beneficial to the employees. All right, and so when somebody with Cedric's pockets walks in, buys up an ERB, <laughs> and then okay, and then and then everybody says, "Yeah, this is great," you know, and, and that you know that 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 uh, good, dependable middle class worker guy goes home and tells his wife, "Yeah, we're going to sell the company. We're going to sell my company." Yeah, <laughs> you know, I can see me saying that, yeah, yeah. Holly, we're going to sell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then once that happens, is it not an ESOP anymore? Or okay. So it's not an ESOP at that point. Yeah, it just becomes uh, just like any other privately held company. Um, you know, it may be right. a competitor competitor that's right, buying the right. business, or it may be just a you know a private equity firm. Or, but that's or a decision everybody whatever. goes into, eyes wide open. And the people that bought it obviously see value in ESOP. They may turn around and turn it into one. I guess yeah. I don't know. They, they could they could turn they it could into a partial that, right? ESOP. Yeah, for sure. Right. So uh, Sheila, I asked Red about this, and we, we didn't talk much about the actual work at uh, at ERB. But I'd like to hear a little bit about what you guys do and wh- what you enjoy about the work of, of running the company. <laughs> well, I um, work downtown. I'll just tell you my short story. But I worked yeah. downtown, had a small son, said, and there's no way I can continue to like drive downtown and do all that. So yeah. I lived in Woodstock, found this place to work, was a small business. And little did I know that the founder and I would become fast friends and you know, we worked, we had similar thought processes or whatever, but we are a manufacturing company, but we supply um, safety equipment like PPE, which has kind of become famous since COVID, but we supply PPE to mostly the construction and industrial market. So it's like hard hats and safety eyewear and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we have another division that sells um, into the hospitality markets, which are uniform apparel. So mostly to restaurants. And so, you know, just been working on that business. And once we became 100% ESOP owned, I got promoted to be the CEO. And that's kind of when the owner started exiting. Now, I just want to say this as far as the owner exiting. We did, when we did the deal, no bank is going to um, give you enough money to buy the company. So Mm -hmm. the bank would finance us for a particular amount of money based on our cash flow or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But the founder had to self-fund. So he had subordinated debt. He at that time became the trustee of the company to kind of watch how I was paying the debt off for him, right? Because he had to get he had to get funded. So there's a many things what's happening at that point when you first become an ESOP. You're paying the bank debt. You're paying potentially subordinated debt. You are um, also um, paying off some terminated employees. Now, at that point, their account values are low because they haven't really accumulated many shares. There's a lot of things going on as far as the cash flow and running the business to you know, grow it, which also takes cash. So there was a lot of years right there at the beginning that, you know, debt was the main thing that we had to get rid of. 
right. you know. So, um, but I, obviously I've loved operating the company. I stayed there forever. I think it's the best job that anybody could have ever had. And it was totally suited for me. And so, um, you know, it was a great run. It was a great run. And and so it's good. I want to put in a plug for the state centers, which, you know, there are numerous state centers across the country now. That's the, uh, our parent company is EOX, and that's their plan is to have one in every state so that people like Sheila don't have to try this at home alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, 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 we send them to professionals like Rhett, and, and so they don't flounder if they want to do this and they don't make a huge mistake, that they know what they're doing and, Rattle flat, tell them you you can't do this. You're not right to go employee owned, and that's why the state centers are so important. Is that people have a, a vehicle to get them to the rats. I want to like just emphasize what Maria is talking about because I started so early. ESOPs were not really very prominent, and we did um, have an attorney in Chicago, and we had you know a valuation person, which he was very good, but he wasn't really in the ESOP world. And so I was like, after a few years, I'm like running around like. I need a group of people that really know ESOPs. And I wanted to say that like when the founder was talking to attorneys in Atlanta about doing an ESOP, every law firm in Atlanta is going to say, yes, we have an ERISA practice. Yes, Mm -hmm. we know how to do ESOPs. But the reality is, is that you need to find your ESOP people. And I'm talking about the people that go to the ESOP conferences that go and do um, ESOP valuations. And they are third party administrators for ESOPs, not just for 401ks or anything else. Because those people were instrumental, attorneys that know ESOPs, those people were instrumental to me to be able to like properly um, grow the company within the boundaries of an ESOP. So I think it's like super important. And I didn't know anything about this association, but it took me a while to um, get that I needed the right people in place. I was in the woods over the weekend. My listeners, they know I like to hunt and fish. And I was driving my brother's truck. And I went one way down this dirt road, and he's like, no, 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 don't go. You will never get back out, <laughs> right? You know you know where the holes are that the truck can't get through, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. And you know some of them, too, now, right? Mm, no, right? totally, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I just know who's right to go to. You know what? Now, <laughs> right, right. after I've gone through that whole process, and I, uh, what this is great, what um, Marie is doing right now, I think it's going to really help new ESOP potentials. Well, it certainly sounds like it. So there obviously are a ton of benefits, uh, but there are some red flags. And you, you need a, a rusty, in my case, in the woods or a rat in these woods to kind of to help you think through all that. And it sounds like you, you, you need and would be, uh, be well served to, to have the, the backing of Marie and her outfit with the education, yeah? Mm-hmm. Right. We've got an advisory committee of over 30 service providers, some very big names, who do work in, in the uh, employee ownership world. And so what we do is we refer them. And so if anybody has an interest, I'm not going to come to your business and evaluate. You will have a professional who knows what they're doing. <laughs> but I know them and I can get them to you and it would be <coughs> delightful just to um hear for some people who would like to hear about it so between you and your advocacy and educational efforts and between more and more people kind of doing this thing are you seeing a a trend of um you know people with hair like mine now (laughs) trying to reevaluate you know like i where lee and i are we're not just heads down trying to grow the thing we're also kind of looking at boy wouldn't it be cool if all of our studio partners owned the company 
Is there a, a, a trend in, in that? Well, direction? there should be because, as I said, you know, there's just we call it the silver tsunami, huh. and what that, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's so many business owners, 55 and over, and I can mm. tell you, just back to my dad, he was a very well educated man, but he. He did not. He was running his business. He forgot that there was an end plan somewhere down the road. Mm -hmm. And before he knew it, he had silver hair. So we'd like for people to know about it and get some ideas before they get to that point. But then again, like Rhett can tell you, there are some young companies and young people. I mean, y'all can't see Sheila's, but she's she's not silver-haired either. There are people who are young <laughs> who need to, to think this through and look at it and say, this is mm. what I want to do. Or what I don't want to do, or I want to think about it later. So um, I, I, I'm thinking about my brother-in-law with a dental practice. Can it be something that small? I mean, I, I think that Uncle Howie makes good money, um, and he's got four or five employees. Is that too small typically? Is, it, is there a kind of a, a line? Yeah, I, I would say that that's probably a little bit too small. I think, um, you know, in terms of sort of the key things to look at in assessing whether or not um, you should consider ESOP is um, the size of the company. Um, okay. So just to give you an idea, the companies that we deal with um, in terms of the number of employees, anywhere from, you know, 40 to 50 all the way okay, up. Okay, but not uh, huge. Yeah. I mean, four, the, 40, 50. Right, yeah, okay. right. And, and you know, we deal with other companies that, are, that have 4,000 employees. So right. um, it, it just, it's, there's a wide range there. Um, I think I, I looked at some statistics, um, and for those ESOPs that have less than 100 um, participants, the average is about 43 employees, and that's mm-hmm. about that makes up about half of the ESOPs in the United States. So, yeah, that's that's probably about the sweet spot mm-hmm. um, in that 40 to 50 employee range. But obviously, um, you even have publicly traded companies that are ES- partly ESOP owned as well. So, um, you can have huge companies. And we probably don't have time to get into this today, but there's another concept called uh, cooperatives. Yep. And mm-hmm. so for smaller companies, that makes more sense. And I, you know, I'm I'm the launch manager. I'm not going to try to get into that, but um, Rhett could probably fill you in more than me. But it's it's another discussion for smaller, like a dent, like a dental or or smaller company. That might not be qualified for employers. You got to come back, Red. I'll buy you another cup I, of coffee. I, I got to be honest with you. We don't really deal with cooperatives uh-huh. uh, all that much. So, um, but but you do have some resources, yes, right, yes, Marie, we do. On, in, we do. on your website. And, okay, I've and, withdrawn the invitation. Uh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry. So. No, you got to come back anyway because I know there's so much depth in it. And I yeah. mean, and you too, Sheila. Let's do this though um, before we wrap. A couple of things. Uh, let's give our listeners for those that where this is like. You know, they're they're listening to this and they're thinking, okay, I want to at least start to learn about this. Well, what are some kind of initial steps someone should should take, um, and then let's make sure that uh, that we share a way for them to start that process. And, and so, if it's appropriate, maybe leave them with some kind of point of contact. If it's not appropriate, that's okay too. But I don't know, LinkedIn, whatever, email, or maybe it all goes to Marie, and Marie is the uh, you know the expediter, but. Uh, but yeah, let's let's do both of those things. Okay, well, let me just start with we have a brand new website and I'm oh, on there, so I'm definitely cool. on the hook for if you if you email me or or go go on the website, I will find your answers for you and uh refer you to the appropriate person and that that website is gaco.org. All right. It stands for Georgia Center for Employee Ownership.org. 
All right. Sheila, you want nobody to bother you? Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> if you want to reach me, I think the best way to do it would be through Marie. Because, I mean, I'm still running a business. I'm still got, you know, that responsibility. And so, yeah. you know, that would be the best way for me. But there may very well be a point at which the person's got questions or something. And of they course. Hear from hear from somebody that, uh, you know, has been there and, and done that, right? I have street cred. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah, you do. You get a lot. And then uh, for you, Red, I mean, you guys are doing valuation services it, only right. on ESOP stuff or just period? No, we, we also um, do valuations for lots of other reasons, um, one, one being tax uh, reasons, so gift and estate um, tax purposes. We do some litigation um, work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do financial reporting, um, warrants, options, uh, you know, complex capital structure. Um, we do a lot of, of stuff. So, uh, but ESOP is a very big part of our, our overall practice. Um, so if you do have questions uh, about the valuation process or, mm-hmm. or anything related to that, um, you can reach me f- um, via our website. It's just CanseoAdvisors.com, and my bio is on there, and you can click on the link for, for email. Fantastic. All right. And then one more time, let's give them coordinates for you, Marie. Uh, you know, website, email, whatever's um, GACEO.org. My email is mdavis, G-A-C-E-O, at gmail.com. Um, love to talk to you. There's plenty of buttons on that website. <laughs> <laughs> so you cannot go wrong. You'll get in touch with somebody. Please, please look us up. And if you need a speaker... This is what we like to do. Let me throw this in there, Stone, because it's important. This is what we like to do. We always like to have a professional, one of our service providers, and we Mm -hmm. like to have a business person who understands what it means to be in an employee company. So that's what we would do if if we went to speak in front of you. That's what we would have with us, a team like today. Well, I got to tell you, it's been an informative and inspiring. Go ahead, Sheila. Well, I just wanted to have a closing comment. I would say in my life, I think that the fact that I walked into a company that became an ESOP was life-changing, and I know it was life-changing for our employees. I highly recommend it, and um, it's been a wonderful thing for me to see employees' lives change because of the ESOP. Oh, well, thank Mm -hmm. you. Yep. This has been a fantastic conversation, informative for me, and inspiring, too, from the standpoint of I think that in in my world, I think we're building something here that maybe one day I do pick up the phone and call Marie and say, okay, let's get this lined up and start thinking this through. Thank you all so much for joining us this morning. You bet. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Hey, how about... Thank you. It's my pleasure. You are welcome. How about hanging out with us while we visit with our next guest? Sounds, Sounds great. Good. All right. Y'all ready for the headliner? He's been uh, he, he's been nodding his head, and he's been taking a few notes, I think. He's been very polite, but uh, it is now my distinct pleasure to introduce to you uh, Pastor Shepherd uh, for uh, a group of folks, I, I think, a LinkedIn expert, former Emmy winner, journalist, guy, uh, an all-around good person. Please join me in welcoming to the show uh, Mr. Cedric Allen. Good morning, sir. Good morning, and, and it's all, as I quote from the Bible, there's only one good one, not me. So I don't don't you know throw me into that one because I get in trouble already. <laughs> <laughs> people in there, my Bible, I will study. We go like, what are you talking about? But uh, thank you, Stone. And I was uh, when I first heard about this, I thought it was Stone Phillips from uh, Dateline, and said, no, the other Stone, not too many and of us. I was yeah. like the other guy. I was like, oh. 
Oh, that guy. Okay, I know him. He's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, well, we're delighted to have you, man. So you wear a lot of hats, obviously. The one that comes to mind that uh, uh, for me the most, because I see you around town in various uh, with community organizations and um, business groups. Apparently, you have so, a real track record and, and a background in helping people fully capitalize on, leverage their LinkedIn presence. Can you speak to that a little bit? Right. And uh, the first, my first thing is always as a pastor, so I'm here to help people and be a light in the community. Community, but I'm also your light on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, like <laughs> you, you know, that's one of those things. And, you know, uh, Marie just talked about, you know, where she is now because she went on LinkedIn. So I call LinkedIn your professional Facebook, not your disgrace book. There's, <laughs> that's great. Because there's some things on Facebook that's just pretty disgrace. We just go like, did you see that? Or did you see that? Coming? No, no. I'm, 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 I'm making, you know, I'm making a sandwich. I did not see none of that. I don't want, I don't want to get involved. So it's one of the things I try to express, especially to businesses. And, as you know, people will go on Facebook and they have Facebook ads and everything else. But LinkedIn is really for professional business. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when, you know, some people now think of LinkedIn more so in the past 15 years or more that's been around to say, oh, that's great for my if I'm going between career transition or something of that nature. Well, it's really about you all the time. It's the only place that allows you to talk and promote you. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things of putting your, you know, who you are out there. It's your resume and your personality put together. So you can show like in the back cover, the banner they give you, that's your personality. That's where it shows you working or one of those things, your professional photo. I already looked at yours. Yours is pretty good. It could, they could, <laughs> could lose I only got the, so much to work with here, Cedric. I, well, yeah, but it's a great thing. And it, people forget that they have these great stories during the time they've worked at a place, even mm-hmm. if it did not really go well. And helping people with career transition, like I do a Zoom group every Friday, 10 a.m. on Zoom. I work with Apex Christian single um, professionals who allow us to use their line and everything else. You don't have to be Christian or single to be on this. Career Club helps everybody. Mm-hmm. But these are one of the choices I give, you know, help people with, especially with their LinkedIn of, okay, maybe you want to be your own business owner. We're starting to see that now because of the time away. Uh, COVID showed us also that we need to work hard, but also we need to take time where our families, our friends, and be part of the community and help out the community. That's why when you see me, Stone, I'm usually around to be a light in community to say, hey, we're here for you, whatever the problem, whatever is needed. But in the thing of LinkedIn, it's the same thing. You want to have that great picture so people know it. If you read a LinkedIn profile and you just go through it and you stop, you just go through it and don't remember anything, mm-hmm. it's not a good profile. But I do profiles that make people want to go, I want to meet this person. I want to sit down. I want to talk to this person. They have something, you know, not just for the job, but I want to get to know this person. You were just talking about having a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. or maybe you're at the bar and you get what you get. You know, I tell people, get me a Mexican Coca-Cola. We'll be okay. Or maybe a hot chocolate if it's a very cold day. Those are the kind of beginning conversations of talking to people and saying, hey, I want to get to know you. I just read this thing about you. I see this vision. I see this passion. I see this heart. How can I know you? So those are some of the things I'm looking at, you know, when I'm talking to it. And I don't do it in a general speak. It is your voice. 
I just clear it up for you. <laughs> so when you're talking to people, it's you. So people actually engage you to say, hey, Cedric, I, my LinkedIn, here's my LinkedIn profile, and mm-hmm. I know it's not quite what it should or could be. Mm-hmm. You'll actually consult with them and help them redesign that to, to be appropriate for what they're trying to accomplish. Definitely. Uh, one of the people that we, you know, Barbara Sobel, for those that don't know, uh, yeah. RX, uh, I think it's, uh, she just recently changed her company, but she deals with um, water, you know, waterproofing and everything mm-hmm. else. I helped her daughter recently with her LinkedIn profile. And just in about an hour and 30 minutes, I got up to All Star. She had no connections after I was done with it, but then started we started connecting with people. But it's sitting down <clears> with <throat> her and just having a conversation. Right. And I think we've missed those those kind of things, having conversations and saying, OK, what are you looking to what are you looking to do? As I talk to people in transition, what do you do, what you love to do. That's that thing you'll do it for, you know, been doing it for free, but you want to get paid for. Right. So I help them structure their LinkedIn. If you're already doing things like uh, Walter with A&P Florin, we just did his company page and his profile. And we started to talk to him just <clears> about <throat> getting into what do you do? What do you love to do? And just starting to feature the things. Walter's been everywhere. He's done flooring. He's done, you know, painting and all these other things. But, you know, the pictures are out there. It's all in the Facebook, but it's not covering over to the LinkedIn. And if it doesn't come over to the LinkedIn, you're missing a great yield, especially to business owners. You know, you have each month with LinkedIn. Here's a little trip for you. You have these invitations that you can have somebody follow your page. And depending on how many connections you are, you can have at least 100 invites for people just to follow your page. That's free press. If you want to boost it, then you could go and get some of the paid ads and some, of, and they'll let you do a couple free ones. But this is just free connections. Say, hey, follow my page. Why? Well, you know, I have an interesting tip, <clears throat> you know, something like, you know, if you're on LinkedIn, I call it my LinkedIn lookup. Why is this thing that called people also viewed there? Here's a little hint, folks. You want to take that off and go to the settings and turn it off. The reason is that's your competition. So you have some friends, but that's your competition. So if you're in career transition or you have a business and you see this thing on the side, you may want to turn that off. But LinkedIn also has this little thing talking about people you may know, which they try to their job is to keep connections. I look at them and go, your job is to drive me nuts every week because you keep changing. <laughs> There's little ways to just connect with people on LinkedIn and just also promote things. If you were had an event, say you were on business X radio, you know, you could share that on LinkedIn, copy, paste link, boom. Or if you have the actual video file, upload it, all these things, pictures, things that's, you know, depending on legality, of course, but just all these things to promote. I've worked with people like uh, Ian Johnson with her, uh, you know, what she does with insurance, depending on social media. Sounds like you've worked with everybody I know in town. (laughs) Well, well, there's a lot of people that, you know, you you see these things and people go, you know, you're just sending that through another, a bigger funnel. If they see video, it's 80% yield on LinkedIn. They're going to look at it. If you have a profile picture, that's 40% more that you're going to be found. Hmm. There's little things of just, you know, having a showcase in a company page. You have a company and a business. Well, if I scroll down and I see gray thing around your, you know, profile, and I know I'm just starting to get this week is my off week. So mm-hmm. I'll, even though I have some meetings this week, I'm able to start to catch up because I do other things. I help at uh, Compass Prep Academy with their newsletter, being a chaplain and things of that nature and teaching there. So hello to those guys and gals. Just a great place for hybrid learning and everything else from different careers. We have people, young people there that are already starting. There's three people that have a landscaping business there. Wow. When do you sleep? (laughs) 
sleep? What time is sleep? I don't know. <laughs> so, what, uh, what day is it? Okay. So those are some some things that you can do to make it better. What are some just absolute no nos? Are there some red flags? Like whatever you do, Stone, on your LinkedIn, don't do this. Well, the people also viewed it's just already in there, so you got to turn that thing okay. off. Okay, all right. Uh, you got to show your picture. Have a good picture. I used to call them uh, the Kardashian shot. Do not do the Kardashian picture. <laughs> They'll go, hey, look at me. Or you're in a party. It's like, hey, it's all of us. And you're a person that's look at you that's either about to do business with you. Or if you're in transition, goes like, what kind of party was that? And, mm. uh, I don't right, know. So the unappropriate picture for <laughs> your situation. Uh, picture. Right. And you want to, you want to give, don't leave it with just resume speak. Well, I did this and this and this. Okay, I want you to have metrics. I want you to have those percentages. I want you to have all these things. Mm-hmm. But tell me a story. If you go to, say we were talking about eating somewhere. Well, if you go to your favorite burger place, say a Canyon's down the street, great guys and everything else down the street, say hello to them. And you go to Canyon's. Now I'm going to have to send them an invoice. You know uh, that, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> I hope not. Well, they're worth it. Sell them the sense of burgers yeah. or something. But if you walk down there and you're going for a burger, you know, if your LinkedIn profile looks just like the bun and a little bit of sauce, but no meat, no vegetables, no nothing. Yeah. What, you know, what what kind of wheel, you know, what kind of thing is going to be, you know? You know, right. these are the things that we're looking at and everything else. And if you have a business, the one thing that will give you great legitimacy is showing that symbol on the side. So they scroll down, they click to it, they go to your company page. Oh, because you you want to make it real easy to go back and forth between company page and right. And if page. you're just a solo entrepreneur or a small business, it's mm-hmm. a great thing because I could go click, boom, I'm over on your page, and they're like they'll read a little more about your about, and then they say, wait a minute, I want to go to your website. Click there. One of the things that happens, and a lot of business owners don't know that sometimes LinkedIn because they want to help you will sometimes make you a company page, and you have no clue it's out there. Oh my. Did not know that. Or, or oh, yeah, yeah. if there's a similar name as somebody has dealt with a client and this happened, I said, yeah, I see you have a company page. Yeah, but it's not going to your company page. He's like, what? Yeah, it's going to something else. Uh-huh. And we clicked on it with something else. He's like, wait a minute, I have a legit LinkedIn company page. I know. Let's change that <laughs> around. Uh, make sure that your emails, your phone numbers, those things, your location, you can even put on LinkedIn your location. I was looking for a certain place that's where where I am right now. There, there's three locations. The location where I'm at right now is not on the LinkedIn page. It just says location or here. And you're going, we need to promote that. That's little things that we forget because we're too busy mm-hmm. meeting people, yeah, networking, yeah. doing the things. But those are also important because after you make that connection, after you make the phone call, after you meet with them, everything else, they go back and want to look it up and see if you're worth doing business. They go back and go like, that's not, there's nothing there. Right. I don't know about that. They, they taught me in, but I don't know. I'm about to walk out. So you have to be, have everything uniform and everything else. I understand being busy. Trust me. I am probably one of the kings of just being busy. But it's one of those things you wanted your light and LinkedIn to shine so much that they can go, wow, I want to talk to this person, that individual, everything else. So, uh, But someone can, can engage you. And we're not talking about weeks and weeks of work. We're talking about a few hours of some Cedric magic. 
Right. Right. Well, we'll, we'll call it magic. <laughs> Pastor can't say the word magic. Here. Oh, okay. <laughs> wisdom. 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 Right. What's the right. discernment there? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's not like you're engaging you for like weeks and months. It's a it's a few hours. You can really tune this thing up. Maybe occasionally get some counsel on updating and that kind of thing. Get some because because you're a pro. Now you're also investing uh, quite a bit of time, energy. Uh, resources in helping is it young people through navigating careers or is it young and old or are you everybody different eff- uh, everybody things? that's going through a career transition okay. is just basically shepherd that's the shepherding part of the ministry right. really you're taking that person where they are at that moment mm-hmm. ironically when i was with the dod and the u.s army at cascom with team advancia they came up this thing with lifelong learning sustainment knowledge network this is back in 2006 so this is early first early e-learning and they started to know that as people were retiring or leaving the service you know the, the next group because they were rushing people out to afghanistan and iraq to real-time in theater what they call in war real-time theater out to the war zones they were not trading enough they were not getting the training they need so they started hmm. to do these forums depositories of information people giving their experiences or the, the group that would come back from a mission and say, well, we went through this one, this thing, did this thing. And yeah, we had the situation. So how did you fix it? Well, this is how we fixed it. You know, those kind of things. You were starting to capture that uh, information, the, just redistrib- the stories and redistribute. Oh, wow. So yeah. it was easier. So how do you write this report? Instead of just yelling at the guy, just go fix, write the report. And the guy who thought of this, he thought of this just from reading scripture. He just said, hmm, this is, this is how I've got my idea on this. So he started to do that. This is the same thing here. So you're working with people wherever they are at that same that point in their situation. They could be divorced, single, whatever they're going through, believer, non-believer, whatever it is, and just say, how can I get you from this point to the point you need to get to? I tell people all the time, don't tell me for 20, 30 <clears throat> minutes what you don't want to do. <laughs> or which you tell me or better yet don't tell me this 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 and then say i don't want to do that why because i want to get you to where you want to go we already got enough people you've already gone through that let's where do you want to go and if you don't know that's fine that's part of the process yeah. we talk we listen everything else i don't put people in a box i help you think outside a box so is it largely one-on-one work or do you do classes or a little bit of both for the these days it's more on Zoom or just whenever I talk to a person. Mm-hmm. It could be even while I'm doing my LinkedIn with them and said, okay, so what, what is that, that title that's you? I had that about two weeks ago when they were in the session. I said, what is that you? And it was a former colleague that was in the same business where I was working in the media business. And we talked. I said, well, you have all this, but what you're telling me is not reflected on your that part under there that says your title. Yeah. So well, who are you? And we thought of, she thought about it. I said, from what you're telling me, you want to do this, 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 put it in there because they'll find you. Because when we do searches and Google search, LinkedIn searches, that's what I'm looking for. Your name comes up at the top of the list. And I talked to her about go back to that sandwich. She had so many different positions, such great um, experience, but it was basically bread, a little bit of sauce, bread. I said, I need more meat. I need some veggies. <laughs> I need to have the sandwich because, you know, if I'm going to take, they want to take a bite of it, but when they show up, it's like, where's the beef? Where's the veg? <laughs> if you're vegan, you're going, what, what, what? 
there's nothing. <laughs> I, I can't, you can't consume it. You can't, you want to make a connection. Everybody wants to make a connection with the person they're trying yeah. to reach. And if that connection is not that good, it's not going to happen. And it's, it's just, you know, and a lot of people think this is a hard process. It's not, it's just you working out and you'll be surprised. Um, the funniest story I've ever had, one of the funniest, former colleague of mine back in a little network downtown that was run by a guy I called Uncle Ted. Uh, at that time, we were talking back and forth. He was in transition. He's working, thank God, now. A great job and everything else. I talked to him. I said, um, you know, we both had this Emmy Award thing for 9-11, right? Yeah. I said, there's got to be some other ones. He's like, oh, yeah. He starts raffling off this stuff. And I go, I stop after a minute. I go, like, um, why is that not on your profile? I just didn't want to show off. You need it on your profile. How are they going to know that you're this great guy? This is a guy that was working satellite trucks, ENG trucks, and he was doing Katrina and I believe the elections at the same time. So it's okay to show off a little bit, right? It's it's Or it's not really showing off if it's framed properly. If it's framed properly, but also this is your experience. Yeah. So if yeah, I'm yeah, looking yeah. for somebody in the business, I want usually you want the best or the best within your price range. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm looking for the best. If he doesn't put that out there, I'm looking for that guy. If I see him and that does, it goes back to the story. I'm reading this and everything else. Steve Austin could walk out to the, you know, to the LinkedIn profile, like start reading. Say, this guy's boring. I'm going to get a pillow. I'm going to start going to sleep instead of him going, <laughs> ah, dang brother, we got to get him on the line. Get him on the phone right now. Now, you know, there's the difference between those two in those pro and you've read profiles that you went like, yeah. And then you read profiles like, mm -hmm. I got to subscribe to their email. I got to follow them on LinkedIn. I got to follow them on Facebook. I got to, where is their website? I got to go start subscribing to what they're talking about. Those are the things. So uh, we will have you back in and maybe do a whole LinkedIn special episode, maybe get some sure. other folks. Uh, but I'm not going to let you out of here without telling us about the Emmy. You the, won an Emmy, right? The, the Emmy was for news gathering coverage for CNN covering 9-11 out of CNN Atlanta. It was one of, the, I'm one of the few that can actually say when the world was booked, I was able to get two to three news feeds in a video where everybody else was either the whole thing was locked down or in one, some cases, some people were kind of borrowing CNN signal because everybody oh was like, Oh, we got to show this. We got to show that we don't know what's going on. So it was an interesting time. If you were in news, you got this Emmy, but mm -hmm. it was doing that and everything else. I think the thing you probably will know me more for would be the first live first video pictures of the shuttle breakup in 2003 in Dallas, Texas. Uh, yeah. Or as I call it, yes, I made the president leave his uh, Camp David on vacation to come address the media, the world about what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So just that kind of story and just breaking news and things of that nature. But yeah, that was the Emmy and some other parts, and it, you know, what it, an interesting background. All right, um, if people who are listening would mm -hmm. like to have a conversation with you or someone in your circle, what's the best way for them to, to reach out and connect with you? Well, I'm thinking LinkedIn may be a place. LinkedIn, is, <laughs> LinkedIn is the place. I usually send everybody there. This uh, Cedric S. Allen on LinkedIn.com. You'll see me with the microphone and everything else, and that would be the easiest place. I also have a couple of showcase pages. I've done some upgrades on the Be Real with God Ministries, just trying to be very selective because a lot of things I do kind of mix with each other. 
So, but the LinkedIn profile page is the better page for me. Um, I also have a little bit of YouTube, a little couple of videos, but it's just a little bit of everything else. But go to the LinkedIn and everything else as I'm killing out all these books. My own <laughs> That's Cedric's phone you guys are hearing. <laughs> yeah, I, the other alarm, because usually during this time, I'm usually either up or I'm already at somewhere, and I have this back in the brain thing of, uh, okay, where's my time? Well, you already admitted that you're one of those busy guys. All right, so one more time, just, uh, just link the LinkedIn thing. Let's make sure we get them to yeah, that. So yeah, so it's uh, LinkedIn.com, I believe, slash Cedric S. Allen. Look me up there. You'll find me as Senior Pastor Shepherd and everything else with LinkedIn and all these other things. Easiest thing, I always joke with people, especially when I'm doing all these things, remind me where I met you. Because if I don't huh. remember, yeah, I, and it's general for everybody, it should be like, remind me where I met you, because there are weeks where I could, I, I used to joke, and I could still do it. By the time Friday comes, I could be in Hawaii on a Zoom meeting at 5, by 5 p.m. Right. Because it's just that many things, because in person, out person, different places, depending where I'm going. Well, thanks so much for coming in today, man. Don't be a stranger. I'm, I'm quite sincere about that. I think it might be fun. It might be fun. Uh, to have, I think you've got a group of kids that uh, our, our buddy John Clunan was talking to. Right, at Cupper's Prep Academy, where yeah. it's pre-K to 12, it's hybrid learning. Uh, it's Christian, but it's not. We, we, we don't go so far in certain things, but it's about how would people find their compass. It is really about them finding out what they want to do, how yeah. they want to do it, and they and with John Clooney with Audacity uh, Marketing, he came by two weeks ago and was talking to our middle school class that was just starting to do uh, their own business and do entrepreneur business entrepreneurial oh, class. Fantastic. And now they have the um, the new. Uh, they're going to kill me because I'm trying to remember this as early uh, the, for the new snack shop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they called it. Uh, da, 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 I got. Oh, no, they're going to kill me for this one. But it, well, we'll get them in here to talk about it, maybe, or we'll take a, uh, uh, something out there and put them on a business radio show. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Way, we have a great affinity for young entrepreneurs, right? Right. Uh, and we don't. We want to invest in that. So you and I have lots of reasons to connect on right. on different things. Right. And one more thing, I'm going to say uh, hello yeah. for uh, Sure Connections, twelve noon every. First and third of the month on Wednesday at 12 o'clock is for uh, Christian business people connecting everything else. That's how Marie and I kind of met a little bit over online, but we haven't, with first time face to face, as I knock over the microphone because I'm crazy, having too much caffeine here. But it's one of those things that I do producer and camera work for them, and I'm right across the hall from. Of course, you, as you know, but yeah, we never we see each other, but we're never doing shows at the same time because of that. So. Well, we'll have to do some more. We'll have definitely, definitely. <laughs> thanks for coming in and hanging with Thank us, you, and Tom. thanks everybody. It's been a, a a great way to spend a, a Tuesday morning. <laughs> Thank you. All right, you, Stone. you are more than welcome. This is Stone Payton for Cedric Allen, Marie Davis, Sheila. I don't remember your last name. It's Sheila Eads. <laughs> Eads. <laughs> and, and Rhett Ferris and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Cherokee Business Radio. Mm-hmm.